Welcome to the Red Half of Sheffield. This is a Sheffield United podcast by two American Blades fans. My name is Noah Snyder, and I'm joined, as always, by Chad Jarvis. And how are you doing today, Chad? I'm not bad, you know, enjoying another Blades victory. And uh, always right in the world until we see what happens on Wednesday. How are you, Noah? I'm doing all right. Doing all right. Yeah. Also rejoicing in our comeback victory over Birmingham this past weekend. And what can I say? I mean, the testicular fortitude that we showed to not only draw that game level, but then go ahead and win it. You love to see it. I thought it was going to be one of those things where, you know, we go down one nil and, you know, they just sort of see the game out there at home. But lo and behold, that man, Billy Sharp, again, again he's just dragging this team up up the table right now he's taken i mean he's not the only one obviously but he's really put the goal scoring burden on his back and is keeping us in and helping us to win games right now and never doubt that man never ever doubt sir william of sharp yeah he's i mean i'd like to see what where we'd be without him this year we'd pre we'd probably be what 16th in the table I mean, you take all those goals out. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He's something like I mean, that for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Like you said, he's almost just dragging us up the table. Say, hey, guys, I want to play in the Premier League again. So we're going to give it a good shot. So everybody jump on my back and I'm going to try to climb us up the hill. At 35 yeah. years old, too. Like the, the dude is unbelievable. I mean, you can't make this up of like how impressive this is. I mean, all season, it's just not like he's just come into form recently. It's been over the whole of the season. We had to, we kept tinkering with striker pairings and all this throughout the whole season. We should have went from Bill with Billy from day one. It's unbelievable how good he is. Yeah. I, I agree with you wholeheartedly there, Chad. It's, I mean, what else can we say? I, I a belated happy birthday to, Billy Sharp, he just turned 36 the other day and still banging him in, man. Still banging him in. Mm. So what do you say we get to our minute-by-minute review here? And early on, Sander Bergay had a half chance off of a corner taken by Norwood. Couldn't get a good head on the ball, and it is cleared out. And what I'll say is this was a boring-ass first half. You had it right when you said a couple of episodes ago, ago, you could just basically turn it on at the 45th minute, and, you know, that's that's the game pretty much. That's really been, you know, our form. We just don't score, and we don't often concede in the first half. And our first halves have just been boring, especially during this run of good form too, you know? Yeah, and I listen to BBC Sheffield – the entire first half and for some maybe a third of the the second half and yeah it was just like boring play between box to box you know we had more of the possession and we just like you said we have done this how many games in a row now we cannot find a goal in the first half we whatever heck he tells them at halftime fires them up and then they come out and get either one or two goals, and we end up taking the three points. And it's weird because, you know, we've even started fast, and then, you know, after about that 10-minute mark, we just kind of, like, settle into the game and let the other opponent come into the game, and then it kind of slow, just, like, slogs through the rest of the first half. You're like, man, this is so boring. 
Yeah. Yeah, agreed. And I I mean, we had no shots in the first half. Not none on no. target and none taken. And in spite of having I think a good percentage of the ball too, like we just offered absolutely nothing. You know, we're trying to be creative, but at the end of the day, we just could not get anything towards frame, which you know, it was a big disappointment because I thought that they were pretty soft for the majority of the half Birmingham, you know? Yeah. I mean, as much as it sounded like, you know, we had our opportunities to go forward and maybe put some crosses in, put some shots in. It's just like, we didn't want to. And it's like Birmingham, I want to say was almost content at the result being nil nil. And then they went and get the got the first goal, and then it drew us out, and we had to go and get two goals. But it's just like if we wouldn't have done anything for the rest of the second half, you know, and they didn't score that goal, they were just happy with playing nil-nil draw. And then, you know, the Lyle Taylor goal, we get caught out like crazy, and then he just scores it. I don't know. It's just boring, boring, yeah. boring, boring. Yeah, and I think that, that lit a fire under the boys, and then sure enough, you know, we know what happened later. Anyway, getting getting back into it here, there was a big old penalty shout as Illiman and Jaya got the ball on the left-hand side of the box after making like a really nice steal to get the ball back. And he was fouled, like held and almost like dragged to the ground by Mendy. And then inside the box, again, on the replay, it looked like Mendy tripped him up about like 12 yards from goal, basically. And, and Jaya just sort of stumbles before he falls. And I, I think if he falls straight away, it's it's definitely a penalty shout, but uh, you know, ref. I think it was Keith Stroud kept his whistle in his hand. And yeah, yeah. He, he's he's called one pen all year, so he was never going to give that away. He's one for the theatrics too, Keith Stroud. I think he was the the ref opening day and kissed the ball as they walked out on the pitch out of the tunnel. So, yeah, in my opinion, on the radio, it's hard to see because I can't see actual live pictures. But when I was able to see the replay back, if he goes down at first touch, like you said. It's a stonewall pen, but he just the fact that he keeps his run going he, and he keeps his momentum going and he doesn't go down until he takes a couple more steps. Then he goes down. That's why they probably didn't blow the whistle. Yep, definitely. Definitely. In the 18th minute, Hernandez skied a ball into the stands off of a cross into the box that was headed by Basham to him, I think, but nothing doing obviously off of that. And then this just goes to show you how much of a dead period there was. There wasn't another opportunity until the 42nd minute. One last chance in that half for the Brummies. Off a long throw, it sent into the box by Roberts, and then Egan cleared it out. Roberts got back on the ball, got it to Lyle Taylor, who drove in across that three-point West, got a hand to, but dropped. And it fell back to Lyle Taylor, who got it to Peterson, or Pedersen, who had a fantastic miss. I mean, he was probably like eight or nine yards out, and boy, did he really sky that ball. <laughs> yeah, it was it was crazy. And, you know, d- did the scenes from the, you know, the whole entire game remind you of like a COVID game? Yeah, yeah, because like, I think a good portion of their stands were, were closed. They're like not fit for – for, for oh, yeah. people to stand on, right? Yeah, they they are not safe right now. They're they got, I think all where our supporters were sitting, and then I think they had a small pocket of supporters maybe on the other side of the ground. But I don't know if you picked this up during the game, but on radio it really got picked up right at the beginning of the match. Birmingham supporters were letting out this like dreadful whistle, 
And I guess it's in protest of their ownership because they haven't finished higher than like 16th or 17th in the league for the last like four or five years. So they're protesting the ownership. And yeah. God, it was so awful coming through the radio. And then the PA announcer had to come through and say, hey, can you quiet it down because it's going to affect the game flow? Man, they, this team is a absolute shambles right now. I, I was uh, I had PTSD back to like South Africa World Cup like what it was that 12 years ago oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you remember those vuvuzelas back then right oh yeah yeah um yeah and I, I think they were also wearing masks uh to sort of symbolize the the faceless owners because i think they don't even really know who the owners are it's owned by some shady sporting group or whatever and I, I mean, I kind of feel for him, you know, it, it's never a good feeling to have somebody who you don't know who it is basically owning your club and not investing into the club and then continuing to finish year after year. And of course, you know, Birmingham are a relatively big club. I mean, they've always been a fixture in the championship. They were in the Premier League for a while and they're in the two top flights pretty much always. Mm-hmm. And so for, you know, them to see their club kind of fall away into shambles like you were saying i'm i mean i understand it i i get it but the protests have never really worked have they i mean i think we all remember a a few years back i think coventry did like the same thing and i think we went we went and won that game as well so (laughs) we uh we tend to win these protest matches you know (laughs) i'm okay with that i am really okay with that same same that was it for the first half really though i mean nothing nothing offered really by us See, and yeah go ahead. It, it was so boring that i had to fill with the birmingham protest you know right <laughs> it was so right. boring yeah yeah exactly we have to fill for time here because <laughs> of how fucking boring that first half was anyway second half kicks off and in the 46 minute of free kick is given away by Norwood in our half of the pitch. It's taken by Woods and then cleared out, but only as far as Bakuna, who struck a hard shot that was blocked. 52nd minute, we were playing headers back and forth with Birmingham for like a solid minute before the ball fell for for Fleck, who slipped it to Billy Sharp on the left-hand side of the box, who took a shot that was always going wide. Um, I I don't even think, you know, the, the greatest striker in the world could could have scored that. I mean, it was off balance and he was lucky he got it, got the shot away. And then in the 53rd minute, Billy Sharp on the break, got the ball to Sander Bergay, who finds John Fleck on the left-hand side of the box, who takes a touch before take, taking a shot and it is blocked. If he had taken it first time, it probably wouldn't have been blocked and out, but as it was, got put out for a corner. And, you know, on that subject, how do you think Flecky looked in this game? Obviously, it was his first start in ages. As long as he's been out, for him to come back, you know, how he played, you know, it, it was okay. I mean, obviously, I had thoughts of back to when Fleck and Norwood were playing, like, side by side, and it didn't really work out, and it was kind of slow. And I kind of felt like that for a little bit because I got used to Horahan and Norwood being paired against each other or paired with each other, you know, bringing Fleck back in there. It's good to see him able to be able to play and get somewhere back to his, his normal self, you know, but man, I, I'm okay with it because we still won, but I didn't like the tinkering with Fleck by Hecky putting Fleck in and taking Hurahan out. 
I kind of like was having was thinking along the same lines there, Chad. But with that being said, I think Flecky had three shots in this game, and mm-hmm. he had three good opportunities to score. I again, I don't know if Horehan gets into that position that that because he was driving into the box. I you know Horehan plays more a lot more outside the box. I think like when we're on the attack, like like that. So. I, I don't know. I, on one hand, yeah. I mean, I, I'm inclined to agree with you, but on the flip side, I just think Flecky gets more forward and offers something that Hodehan doesn't. So, yeah, I, I would agree with that. And I mean, for him to play a full 92, I'm okay yeah. with that. I'm yeah. okay. You know, give us rest because the, the fixtures are stacking up here, coming thick right. and fast. Right, right. And I do expect, you know, Connor Hodehan to come in. Oh, yeah. I think we're just going to start rotating those two. And, you know, Norwood's going to need a blow at some point. I'm surprised when I saw the lineup and I saw Sander Berger, I was in there. I was like, wait a minute. I rubbed my eyes. I was like, he's starting? Okay. You know what? Let's do it. Because he's only got a couple more games until the law firm comes back. Yeah, and I think Berger had obviously, I mean, the whole the whole side had a forgettable first half, but he really came into the game. I think he grew into the game, and I just think he hasn't been given enough time. I, I would like to see him start more, to be honest, especially as, as you mentioned, these fixtures are coming quick and fast now. You know, it is going to be Saturday, Sunday, Tuesday, Wednesday for a long time. I think the rest mm-hmm. of this month and then partly into March as well, so... Yeah, I'm I'm fine with changing up the side because I, I think all those players are pretty much of the same quality. I, you'd like to think that Berge offers something different, you know, offers something extra. But at the same time, and and he was playing. I mean, the way that we set up, we looked to be more in that flat three in midfield rather than you know having someone in the hole just behind and Jaye and Sharp to to start the game out, but. As soon as Morgan Gibbs White comes back into the side, he's going to fill that position, you know, and he's going to mm-hmm. be in the hole there. Yep. Yeah. So after attempting to get the ball back in the box, Basham gets on it, drives down the left hand side of the pitch near the box, gets it to Njaye, who took a shot from about the top of the 18 yard box, and that was headed out of play. 61st minute on the break, Bakuna finds Lyle Taylor with a good pass. He took a touch. And he bent one past West Fodderingham for a goal for Birmingham. And it looked like Wes was screened by Basham, who he just couldn't get back uh, to, to get a good block on the ball. And he ended up blocking West Fodderingham, Bash did there. And yeah, that's what led to the goal, really. Yeah, it was, they had a hell of a break the other way, and we just got crossed up. And like you said, Bash just screened. I feel like I was watching hockey for a minute. <laughs> Because he screened the keeper and fighting him. There wasn't nothing Wes could do. And, you know, Lyle Taylor just bent the ball right around him. Right. Yep. And then another chance. Just bang, bang. 62nd minute straight away down the left-hand side went Hernandez, who slipped the ball in the box for Gardner, who crossed it on the ground. And then it went all the way across the the pitch. Somehow found Bakuna, who took a very hard shot on frame. And then on the ground, but it was saved by Wes Fodderingham. Good, solid save from Wes. I mean, one he should be making, but definitely not an easy one. And he he swallowed it up, didn't allow a, a rebound or a second opportunity there. Like Mr. Ramsdale would have. 
Uh, I I don't know. I I can't say. I mean, this year Ramsdale has been in pretty damn good form. So I'm inclined to think that Ramsdale probably would have made that, that save as well. But last year's Ramsdale definitely would have parried it back out into the defense or into to the attacking player, and they would have buried it. And he would have got up, swung his arms, looked at the defenders, like, "Why did I do that? Why did you guys help me do that?" Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> And then in the 63rd minute, and what we need to see more of from, from Sander Berge, he drives about 20 yards down the pitch before slipping just a beautiful through ball for Billy Sharp. He takes it first time, passes it into the lower right-hand corner of the net, 1-1 at that point. Great goal by the skipper, great assist by Berge. And like I said, you know, what a turnaround in that, in that second half for Berge as he was like invisible in the first half. Yeah, it was really good build-up play, and like you said, he ran what seemed like the entire pitch and just linked up with Billy Sharp, slots at home, easy as like. I mean, there's nothing better than just seeing the skipper score goals like that. We've already talked about this probably what? I'm, I don't even know how many goals he has this year, but every single time. He just he makes it look, at, at times, he makes it look too easy. Yeah, that, I think that was his 10th of the of the season and ninth in the in the league. So. Nuts. Yep. Nuts. Yep. Far and away our top goal scorer. In the 72nd minute, Norwood put in a great ping for Njaye, who beat his man, got into the box, pull, and then pulled back a great ball for Fleck, who was like wide open, and he shot it right at the keeper. Wide open. A shot to the left or the right of the keeper surely would have scored it. I mean, arguably one of the best chances of the game that we didn't score on. And I mean, you like to see it from from Fleck, but at the same time, the shot selection has to be better there in in such a good position. Yeah, uh, much agreed. And it's like I think I yelled before he took the shot. I said he's going to hit this right to the keeper, and that's what he did. And I said a touch to the left, touch to the right, boom, it's two one. But you know, at least he, like you said earlier, at least he's taking his shots. You know, at least he's not passing and passing, passing. And then if they were to close him down, he just got rid of the ball and it doesn't end up in the shot attempt, you know, because you never know what happens. Maybe the goalkeeper drops the ball. Someone's there to tap it in. Yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. And then, and then, 74th minute in a moment of controversy. I mean, Billy Sharp was chasing for a ball and he was offside. It was cleared by the Birmingham goalkeeper, Etheridge. It falls to Badgay, who passes it to Bogle on the right-hand side. Bogle got it to Njaye, 22 yards from goal. He gets it to Norwood, who passes to Fleck in the box. Bogle makes the run. Fleck finds Bogle, who not two yards from the goalkeeper, slips it under him, megs the keeper. Sheffield United score their second goal. Wonderful stuff. Obviously, with VAR, I wonder if that's like looked at for offside, but by all accounts... You know, Bogle was kept on, and yeah. I mean that was reflected in the no call from from the linesman. So, yeah. And how about that touch though by by Jaden Bogle on his back heel to get it to his front foot? I mean that skill right there. Ugh. I mean that just says to me that little bit of skill right there says to me we have got quite a player in Jaden Bogle. Yeah. yeah, I mean you that that type of finish right there is a, a player that the confidence is starting to exude out of his body. And, you know, he hadn't had exactly a good game leading up to that, but
but it's just like one sheer moment of brilliance, and he puts us up 2-1. It's like, okay, I'm okay with that. But, I mean, it was like a good team goal. Honestly, if you look back at the replay, because I watched it yesterday, I was like, man, this is a great goal. And like you said, obviously VAR would have reviewed it if we would have been in a different league, but what a finish. Meg the keeper and everything, man. That is a good goal. Did did I get it exactly right? Did I say that both Jaden Bogle and Billy Sharp were going to score in this game? I feel like I did. You you might have. I I'm not I I don't exactly 100% recall who you said the goal scorers were, but I think you did say Bogle. I I did say 2-1. I know that for sure. Mm-hmm. And I I can't remember if I said Jebo was going to come back into the side and get on the score sheet. I think that's what I said. Yeah. Yeah. I yeah. think you had Jebo and you had Bogle. Yeah. I know you uh, called one of the goal scorers. Yep. Yep. So in the 77th minute, Billy Sharp, great hold up play at the top of the box. He got it to Badgay, who took a shot, which was deflected and then fell right into Etheridge's hands. 78th minute and one of his best appearances this year, Ollie McBurney comes on to replace Illiman and Jaye, did all of the little things right. The holdup plays, winning balls. He was frustrating on both sides of the pitch for Birmingham. Super sub performance for, for Ollie McBurney, in my humble opinion. Yeah, it was good. Very good. It's it's kind of good to see, hey, at least there's a player in there. You know, we haven't seen anything in how long from him. Yeah, I mean, it's been over a year, right? Absolutely offered nothing for so long, and it's kind of good to see, like, maybe he's believing in, you know, Hecky's, I don't know, whatever magic Hecky has. But it's weird to see a team that, what, three months ago was, we could have said dead and buried, and we had no shot. Obviously, you know, we've caught lightning in a bottle and, and had a good run of form here. But you could see, like, the body language of the players at full time. And how about... At full time, the first player to hog Bogle was George Baldock. Yep. Yep. May never get it. his spot. May never get his spot back in the side again because Bogle might just be too good enough for him to get it back. And he was the first guy to run out there and hug him at the end at full time. That's yep. awesome. That's what you love to see. We're playing as a team. Yeah, absolutely, Chad. Right. You are spot on. I think. As far as Balduck is concerned, he's a great player. He's a fantastic player, especially at this level in the championship. But Bogle has just really, really started to shine. And he knows. I mean, he has to know at this point that Bogle's going to continue to start games. He might get the odd game in there where he's starting. But at the same time, I mean, that position is solidly Jaden Bogle's at this point. Mm Mm-hmm. To close us out here, a really, really crazy phase of play. And after an errant back pass, McGoldrick looked keen to get on it. Etheridge came basically to the halfway line, okay? Took it past the halfway line, loses the ball, and McGoldrick gets on it. He would have had a chance to shoot on an empty net had he not been hauled down. And I can't remember who who it was who hauled him down, but he got a yellow card for for his troubles. But have you ever seen that? Have you ever seen a keeper like besides on a you know on like a free kick or something with the game winding down, like come past the halfway line like that? No, I, I was wondering. I was because I was screaming, "Shoot the ball!" Because the keeper's out. And I'm like, "What is going on here?" I was like, maybe a last gasp 
effort at the end, like at the death when you know it's, they're about to blow the full-time whistle, but no, never like that. And I was like, just get a hold of it. Just get a hold of it and just put put enough on it to get the ball over the line because I think it would have cleared. if we. Well, he was on what, the right-hand side? So he would have had to put some, you know, ass behind his shot to get it to bounce correctly on the ground and go over the line. I don't know. I don't think any of the outfield players would have been able to chase it down if he hit it well enough. If the past is anything to go off of, I mean, McGoldrick can't score from two yards out. What makes you think he's going to score from 45 yards out, you know? <laughs> yeah, that'd be the one time he did score. He'd score from there. Just some crazy-ass shot, and he'd just loop it in and go in. And but oh, yeah, I meant to do that. Yeah. <laughs> Anyway, that was uh, pretty much it. Great come from behind win for the Blades. Man of the match for you. I, I mean, for me, I, I, I think Njaye probably had one of his better matches. I, again, I thought he was great. Bogle. I had I had to go with Bogle. I went with Bogle because just because I like that goal. And it, it and it summed up, you know, a good team effort, and we don't see that too much. But for this, the whole lead-up play to that goal, Bogle gets my man in the match. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. So at this point, we're going to throw it to future Noah and Chad, who are going to have our review of the West Bromwich-Albion game. And Noah and Chad in the future, did we win? You're goddamn right we did pass, Noah. <laughs> uh, Fuck yes, buddy. Dude. Fuck yes. Huge, massive, cannot overstate how big that win was for Sheffield United. What a game. What goals from Billy Sharp. Oh, my God. I can't. I, I'm just so fucking elated right now, Chad. I cannot describe what I am feeling. That was brilliant. Oh, what a night. And Billy went scored twice. What a night. <laughs> I don't know if they're going to be singing that on the cop, though. <laughs> I had to put it together because that's a little stick thrown back at Callum Robinson from when they thumped us 4-0 earlier in the season. He he had a picture on, I believe it was Twitter, and he said, oh, what a night. And I think the Shoreham, Shoreham boys, were, or, or it might have been Dem Blades, were, retweeted it and said, oh, what a night. With the same the same type of deal, uh, so I had to I had to do it. You love to see it. You absolutely love to see it. Amazing game, two nil win to the Blades. Dos acero, as we like to say here in the United States. Um, that's usually a reference to when we beat Mexico, but applicable here. And it really seems to be how we're we're winning games lately. A lot of two nil victories. I think a stat came out that Hecking Bottom has won forty four percent of his games two nil so far since taking over as manager of Sheffield United. And this is so massive. Granted, granted, it, it did fuck all really for our position in the league as we still sit tenth, but we have two games in hand. Now we are one, Chad, one point off of the playoffs. That is un believable considering that what we were 18th in the league like two and a half three months ago yeah yeah we were we were down and out and i, I remember us saying yeah season's over blah 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 we're not going to do anything this is just kind of let's transition get the kids ready for and you know 
run it back next year. But I'm not one to look at the table during a match. But, you know, we had the goal at halftime and we were goal up. I was like, okay, they lost a man. And let's just check the table. I was like, we're still 10th? How in the hell does this work? And I, you know, obviously with all the games in hand and all that stuff, you know, if it all works, it works out. But we'd be like fourth right now or fifth in the league, I think. If if all the games played out, we'd we'd be in the playoffs right now. So, you know, hopefully we can win the games in hand because as the saying goes, you'd rather have points on the board than games in hand because it's not a sure thing. But the way we're playing right now, I mean, it's 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 a looking pretty good for us that we'll take care of business. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Like you said, we win those games in hand and we are right up there in the in playoff position. And I, I don't know if you heard Heckingbottom's post-game interview, but he said something kind of interesting. He said, yeah, everyone's sleeping on us right now. And he said, today we really proved our quality. But he also said, are we a sure-in for a promotion push? And he said, I, like, he was very judicious about it, but he was like, really, Fulham are the only team who are in for a promotion push right now. And... I, I get that you got to manage expectations, but at the same time, come on, give the supporters a little nugget. Say that we're in the best form of any club in the championship right now. And because it's true, there is yeah. no better club over the last, what, nine games that's been in so, better yeah. form than Sheffield United. And I mean, it, the way we're playing, man, it just feels, it feels like everything is tilting in our direction. Yeah. And, Heck, he can say, you know, he can beat around the bush. You know, we're we're the best form team right now, and Fulham's the only one that's really got a promotion chance right now, and that's all well and good. I mean, most of the fans we're not naive. You know, we we can see where we're going, but you know, there's that little bit of space in the back of my head that says, okay, we won four in a row, and now we can drop three in a row. So. I mean, I bet you Hecky is telling the players in the, the dressing room, and most of them have been around it, you know, hey, keep the momentum going. We got we to gotta push. We keep pushing. We're going to find ourselves where we want to be at the end of the season. And it might not even be in playoff finals. It might be in that second spot, you know, because not one of the teams in front of us has looked very solid as long as we have over the last, what, month and a half maybe? Yeah, I, I, Five I weeks. would pro- I would probably put Blackburn in that category, but look, they dropped points today. You know, they yeah. they lost and yeah. convincingly as well. So we're the best team on form in the league right now. And that means something, you know. We go into this weekend's game at Huddersfield and we get another three points against a very good Huddersfield side. And we are in the driver's seat, baby. You know, masters of our own fate. Yep. So what do you say we get into our minute-by-minute review here? I have to ask, the question must be asked, is this our second greatest victory of the season? Uh, No, I'd say it's the best because I felt like in Fulham, at any moment, they could equalize, and I felt more so like Fulham was going to get a chance at some point. But as the game went on, they got more and more frustrated. In this one, West Brom started out on fire, and then we got the goal against the run of play. And after that, leading up to the red card, it kind of just all slanted in our way, in, in our direction. So it was, I, w- I don't want to say a dominant performance, but a good, 
solid performance by the boys. Yeah, for sure, for sure. And as you alluded to earlier, I mean, the game started really with Sheffield United on the back foot. Lots of pressing from West Brom. Corners conceded early by Jack Robinson, giving the ball away. I mean, we could not really get anything going. Neither side could really get anything seriously going until the sixth minute when Basham made a little marauding run towards the box. He did a little give and go with David McGoldrick, who got it back to Basham, and he took a good shot that just went wide. I mean, he wasn't able to get his foot all the way around the ball to to curl it towards net and test Sam Johnston, but a good opportunity, a good chance. And then in the 14th minute, Alex Moat got on the left-hand side, and he got the ball to Andy Carroll at the top of the box. He cleverly laid it off to Adam Reach, who took a shot that went high and wide, but it was super nervy here around the teens as far as the minutes are concerned. 15th minute, Moat again, won the ball in a good area. He slipped it to Carlin Grant, who took a left-footed shot, and it just missed. I mean, it kissed the outside of the corner. And Fodderingham probably had it covered, but it was definitely nervy there. Oh, yeah. It, it, from the, the camera angle, I thought it went in. And then it bounced off, and I was like, we're getting loud. They're getting closer, getting closer, and we keep getting let off. I, I felt a goal coming from them, but we had a good spell there where we just – they had the the pressure, and we were able to soak it up and, you know, get the ball out. But the whole thing is, is it felt like when we our back line was under pressure, we gave the ball away. It, yeah. it was so frustrating. It's just like get the ball out of our own end, and if we just recycle it for, you know, 30 to 45 seconds, just get the ball out of our own end. Don't give the ball away where it can fall to one of their players cheaply to catch Wes out and hit a 25, 30-yard shot, and it goes in. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Uh, like you said, we we absorbed that pressure pretty well, but we were giving the ball away cheaply. In the 16th minute, Jake Livermore got a shot away that was easily saved by clean sheet Wes. 16th minute, Robinson again gives the ball away to Furlong down the left-hand side. He gives it to Reach 25 yards out. He takes a shot that goes to the left and wide of goal. And then, <laughs> and then, 22nd minute, McGoldrick, about 24 yards from goal, and this was obviously against the run of play, like you said. He slipped a beauty, an absolute beauty of a ball for Balduck, who I really thought should have taken the shot, but instead he passes it to Billy Sharp in the center of the box, about 10 yards from net. He turns, he shoots, it's deflected, and he scores. What else is there to say about Billy Sharp that hasn't been said already? This came seemingly out of nowhere, but really did give us the platform to continue to put pressure and then defend a lot better because, you know, I think that they were not taking as many chances, West Brom, but what a goal from Billy Sharp. Baldock, how unselfish is that? Like you said, he should have took the shot, lays it off to Billy Sharp because he, I'm, I'm guessing he probably saw a better angle. And he, as he's coming, he's like, ah, it's probably going to get saved. Billy's, he knows Billy's probably over there, lays it off to him and just slots it home. I mean, yes. When that went in, when that went in, I it just kind of was like, Wes Brown's been dominating everything up to this minute. This is, this is a crazy goal. Is this going to go in? Oh my God, it went in. It's nuts, man. I was like, I did not expect that goal coming at that time of the game. If anything, I thought it was going to come from WBA. But 
Billy Sharp, man, you never doubt him in the box. You never doubt him in the box. And what is that? Is that three games in a row that he's had a goal? Or four? I think it might only be three. Yeah, yeah. But still, scoring seemingly at will now. And if he continues to play like this, I mean, he'll have 20 before the year's done. 36 years of age and has 12 goals on the year. That is unbelievable. Unbelievable. Incredible. Absolutely incredible. And in the 26th minute, I mean, this was arguably one of the best defensive plays all season as Adam Reach put in a ball for Grady Diagana, and he looked to be in all alone on West Fodderingham. But out of nowhere, Georgie Balduck. He comes flying in to block the shot, saved a certain goal. And, you know, that is as good as a goal at the other end of the pitch. Right, Chad? Yeah. Yeah. He Because when I, I was away, I had it on the, the screen at work, and I, I was doing something away, and I came back, and I said, I see the ball drop to their player, and I'm like, oh, my God, he's going to be wide open on with one-on-one against Wes. I was like, this is going to be the tying goal. And it w- it must have been the replay. And I see George Bullock just come storming back and in with a tackle. And I'm like, all right, that just saved us a goal. You know, momentum starting to get in on our side. You know, this is starting to look better. Okay, okay. Keep doing this. Yeah. I mean, Bullock hadn't been in the side for how many games? And it, I thought it was very interesting. And at the end, brilliant tactics from, from Heckey to slot him in on the left-hand side in that left wing-back position, which, to my knowledge, I can't remember a single game that he's played there. No. But honestly, you got to give him major props because the dude come out hungry tonight, and he wanted a freaking great performance from himself because it's been so long since he's been in the side. So now I like that. Our players are starting to step up, and now it's giving Hecky something to think about leading into Huddersfield. Do we roll out the same lineup? Do we roll out the law firm? You know, Baldock played outstanding. I, I think I texted you before the game, and I said, Baldock in the side, I'm okay with that because R&D has been so up and down over the last, what, three or four games? Throw Baldock in there. See what he does. And he played, he played awesome. Yeah, sure enough, has earned himself a place in the side. Uh, if if Hecky wants to pull the trigger again, this Saturday against Huddersfield Town. Mm-hmm. 31st minute, West Fodderingham drives the ball upfield. It takes like the most awkward of bounces over a West Brom defender. I can't remember if it was a, a Jai, but Sharp gets on it, takes a first time shot, but it's saved by Johnston. And I, I think we said this earlier, but Johnston, with the exception of the two goals that went in, had a great game. I mean, he was making saves left and right, and it could have been it could have been four, maybe yeah. even five. Yeah. This game were not for him. Yeah, great saves. Thirty second minute, Darnell Furlong with a good cross to Livermore, who tested Fodderingham, but he makes the save. And then not much happened until the thirty ninth minute when Connor Horahan got the ball on the left hand side of the pitch. He made a few like great dancing moves with the ball at his feet before being absolutely smashed into by Jake Livermore, who after some deliberation by the referee is sent off straight red for Livermore. And I texted you 
yes. Just the word yes when that happened because I knew that that like the red card was going to give us the platform that we needed to win. I I really think they probably may have found some some form, especially going into the second half. If that red card doesn't happen, you know. Oh yeah, one hundred percent. Because you know they're they're trying to fight back in the game. If they go down one nil at halftime, okay, okay, we're still in the game. But once Livermore got sent off. I kind of had a feeling, but, you know, they had 10 men against Preston. Yeah, I, I knew you were going to say that. And, I, I mean, I know that there are a lot of Sheffield United supporters, especially on Twitter, who were like, oh, they've gone down to t- 10 men. We're surely going to give it away now. But I'd say that this game was different from the Preston game. I mean, obviously because of the scoreline. But moreover, because I think our heads were in it and we were so much more focused in this game especially after they went down to 10 men. Oh, yeah. Yeah. The team just looked different. The side looked different. Our passes looked crisper. They looked faster. Like, we looked like we were moving off the ball a lot better compared to that Preston game where we looked a little bit sluggish and slow and didn't really know what we were doing. This was almost 180 degrees different. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And then... The second half started and the first real chance came to Sheffield United in the 57th minute as off a great little planned play off the training ground, Connor Hurrihan off of a corner, got it to Norwood, who on the volley smashed a ball that had eyes for goal, but was blocked. And 58th minute, Norwood pinged in a ball to Billy Sharp down the left-hand side, who almost got level with goal and put the ball to Bogle who tried a shot that was blocked out by Ajaya. I'm not sure if it was going to go in but or if it was going to go wide. I, I'm, I'm not sure about that, but he blocked it out. It fell to Robinson, who took a shot that pinballed around in the box before falling to Ajaya, who tried a shot, but again, it was blocked chance after chance after chance here. And then in that same 58th minute, Bogle passed the ball to Ajaya in the box, who left it for Bogle, And it takes an amazing, amazing save from Sam Johnston on the ground, outstretched to stop Bogle's shot, which he surely would have scored from, I think. Oh, yeah, 100%. But like you said, Sam Johnston was was playing absolutely out of his mind. You know, it almost makes you wonder how he didn't get a Premier League move. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, he's, what, England's number four choice goalkeeper at this point, I think? Yeah. Yeah. Three or four. And if he yeah. if he goes if he goes to a bigger club, I mean, hell, he might he might fight his way up the the pecking order, but he's got to go through two blades to get to the top spot. I'm not really considering Rammers a blade anymore after he threw us under the bus. So it is what it is. He's got a, a former blade and a gunner in yeah. his way. Yep. Yep. Sixtieth minute off of a set piece taken by Moat. Matthew Clark got ahead to a ball that was missed wide and to the right of goal. And then immediately after that, oh man, this chance was brilliant. On the counterattack, McGoldrick drives up the pitch with only one man to beat besides the keeper. He slips it to a wide open and Jaye with just Sam Johnstone to beat. He tries a little dink shot to the right, but it's saved amazingly again by Sam Johnstone. Should have been 2-0. And, you know, he threw his his head in his hands, and so did I in that moment because, I mean, you texted me, like, right when that happened. I hope we don't rue that chance. 
And yep. thank goodness we didn't. Yeah, because, I mean, you couldn't have been more wide open. When he got the ball and it was one-on-one with the keeper, I was like, just slot it home. Don't do anything fancy. And he made it pretty easy. I figured, like, we've seen and die do some crazy things. I figured he would have put a little English on the ball or something, you know, just to make it go in. But ooh, he just kicked it right at him. Yep. Yep. And then in the 66th minute, Carlin Grant got it to Adam Reach, who took a left-footed shot that was saved by Wes. 69th minute, who comes in? Morgan Gibbs-White, the law firm. And he replaced Njaye. Welcome back, welcome back, welcome back. Beautiful, beautiful, Chad. (laughs) His first appearance since Fulham, and he had an impact on this game for sure. He didn't get the ball as much as I, I wanted. What was interesting is that a lot of the second half was really eaten up because it was so stop-start. There were like injuries and so many free kicks given and the ball being put out for throw-ins. And we just could not really get anything going. I mean, the, our next chance after that, uh, after Morgan Gibbs-White came in, came in the 76th minute off of a set piece. Basham gets ahead on the ball in the box. It falls to Robinson, who... I mean, he tried to head it, hit the bar so close, but what do you expect from Jack Robinson? Yeah, I mean, I saw him head that ball in, and I was like, is he about to score again? And it, like you said, it hit the bar and got saved. But, I mean, like you said, since he got subbed on, we did absolutely nothing. I mean, that was like the slowest amount of time I had ever seen in a game. Because every play was out of play, out of play, throwing, free kick, you know, goal kick. One thing we, we got to mention, too, hopefully, Didzy, that is not a really bad injury because yeah. he could not put any weight on that leg. Yeah. So And it initially, I, th- I thought it was a strategy just to get Morgan Gibbs White in the game, and I texted you as much. <laughs> Mm-hmm. but have them put it out and then he goes off. But yeah, it did not look good. I mean, he, he was not putting any weight on that right leg. I think it was of his. Yeah. And I saw a picture of him and the skipper in the locker room after the game and he looked all smiles. So it didn't look like maybe it's not too bad. Maybe it was just like a rolled ankle and he didn't want to put any weight on it or it was just ginger. I, I don't know. You know, obviously, our medical team, they keep everything under wraps, so we won't know if he's not in the side against Huddersfield. You know, we might have an, some sort of idea. Or maybe it was beautiful shithousery. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, and then 80th minute, Morgan Gibbs-White got it to McBurney on the right-hand side near the top of the box. He got it to Bogle, who slipped a through ball for Morgan Gibbs-White, who takes the touch, leaves it for Billy Sharp, who strikes it, and it finds the top right-hand side of the net. 2-0 to Sheffield United. Fantastic for Morgan Gibbs-White to leave it for Sharp there. Sharp at the double. Sharp with the brace. And I think at that point, we knew that that was pretty much game, set, match. I still wanted to text you when it was 2-0 and said, put a 10 around 2-2. And when the goal goes in, there was a guy that was working next to me, and he's not a he's not a football fan at all. And he's like, did he just lay that ball off and the other guy jump out of the way and he hit it underneath him? I said, yeah, here, watch the replay. And sure enough, the law firm lays the ball off to Sharp and gets out of the way. Billy kicks it right underneath him. It was badass goal. It was, it was one of the 
best goals I think we've had all season, in my yeah. opinion. I mean, that thing had eyes for goal when he kicked it, but the amount of curve and right underneath the law fern's feet, whew, man, what a goal. Fantastic stuff from Billy Sharp there. Yep. And then we basically played out the rest of the match, and, you know, West Bromwich Albion did not offer much, and full-time is called, and another wonderful three points there. So, so needed. And what else can you say, man? I mean, who was your man of the match? No, everybody says a skipper, but I want to I wanna pick Baldock. He was my man of the match, more so for what he did in the first half, the unselfishness leading to the first goal, and then the tackling back to save the other goal on the other end. Not being in the side for however many games. Okay, heck, he calls his number, says, hey, you're starting tonight. Boom, plays his ass off in the first half. You know, he dialed it back because after they went down to 10 men, he didn't. he wasn't that much of an influence but i think he had a good game so i'm gonna go with my man of the match i want to be different than everybody else saying billy 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 you know it's funny you say that because i had ball duck as well he did all the little things that we needed in this game and yeah he was absolutely fantastic ball duck in you know who's starting to sneak up into i kind of like you territory ollie norwood (laughs) from sneaky good from being your absolute whipping boy for the last season and and a half basically yeah. to being one of your one of your favorites out there wow I, yeah i don't know what's changed it's like his game has done a complete 180 it's unbelievable to watch to watch him and hurahan play in midfield it's a thing of beauty over the last month and a half it it. it looked pretty good and i'm getting used to it and i'm okay with it where yeah, i thought I- those paired together would be a disaster. I, I really think that both Hodahan and Norwood have really made the case for, you know, to be starting every single game. Yeah, agreed. Although it's funny, it's funny. At one point earlier in the game, and we're getting really into the weeds here, I think Hecky had signaled for Sander Berge to, like, you know, start getting ready, and I think Horahan was going to come off. Yeah. And then the the red card happened. Right. Right. Yeah. yeah, no, yeah, it, yeah. Was, it was earlier than that. I think this was like right around the half hour mark. I'm pretty sure. Yeah. I, I think I do remember that, but I didn't hear what I, cause SUTV just drives me mad because the audio was so low. Yeah. And I have the TV on 100 and I can barely hear them. Yep. Just yep. please turn the volume up on the commentators. And I couldn't remember what number they had said was coming up or what player was coming up. But yeah, you are, you are right. I do remember that. If anyone from the production of SUTV is listening to this, sort yourselves out, turn that volume up. Yeah. It's really, 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 really low. It sounds like you're listening to the, a game like this. <laughs> and I'm like, what are you do? like? Come on. We're pumping all this money into there. I bought a season long streaming pass and I'm paying for this. Come on, I'll just put the game on mute and put BBC Sheffield on. Well, that's actually not a bad shout considering how poor Kevin Gage is sometimes. Oh, there. yeah. Oof. Yeah. Oof. We're going to we're gonna sound like Tufty Club Part 2 because they always rag on how bad Kevin Gage is. Oh, my God, he's horrible as a commentator. Oh, my God, he's awful. Yeah. Yep. Anyway, I think that wraps up this review of our game against West Bromwich Albion. And we're going to throw it back to past Chad and Noah 
who are going to preview the Huddersfield Town game this Saturday. That is a fuck me 4.30 a.m. start time, my time. 7.30 your time, Chad. And then 12.30 Greenwich Mean Time in England. So I'm going to throw it back right now to Chad and Noah. Past Chad and Noah. And speaking of which, because we're not going to get a chance to record after the West Brom game, we're just going to give you a quick preview of our match against Huddersfield. I mean, this one is going to be away. It's at John Smith Stadium. And I'll tell you something. Huddersfield have been pretty darn good recently. They haven't lost since November 27th in the league, which is damned impressive. And the last time out, this past this this past Saturday, they they beat Barnsley in the FA Cup 1-0. They beat Derby 2-0. Before that, they drew Stoke City. They beat Reading 4-3 away from home. They drew Swansea and they had a nil-nil draw against Rovers. So, you know, they in there they've played some some okay sides. I mean, you know, obviously Barnsley are propping up the table at this point. Derby while they, by all accounts, um, a mid-table club were it not for the points deductions. I mean, they've really been in good form. So this is going to be a tough game this coming Saturday for sure. I mean, you look at them, they've scored 40, but they've conceded 34. So their goal yeah. differential is plus six. And if you look at the table, okay, you have West Brom has a 10, plus 10 goal differential. And then you have QPR that has a 13 goal differential. So I mean, this could very well be a good chance for us to score some goals because sitting fifth in the table and, you know, every time I look at the table and I see them up there following the championship the last couple of seasons, they have been down toward the bottom. They haven't been like, that's so crazy how this, this division works. You could be bad for so long and then a couple of players and you just jump right up the league. It's nuts. Yeah. Yeah. And, I mean, they've got a man on pretty damn good form right now in Danny Ward. And he had a hat trick, I think, a few games ago for them, right? Yeah, I believe so. Yeah, I think in the 4-3 game against Reading, he had a hat trick. Right. Yes, he did. Yeah, and in the 4-3 game against Reading, he had a hat trick. So, you know, like I said, they can score. Scoring 40 goals, that's pretty, that's pretty crazy. So he's got 10 goals. Man, these next two games are going to be so tough on our back line. Mm-hmm. In, mm-hmm. in in this lineup against Huddersfield, we could see some squad, squad rotation, you know, and maybe maybe Charlie Good comes in the side, you know. Yeah. If we if we face an onslaught of attacks from West Brom, this is where you could see uh, you know a little bit of squad rotation. Definitely, yeah. I I think at, by then, hopefully, fingers crossed, Morgan Gibbs White is back in the side, getting the law firm in there on if not a permanent, but semi-permanent basis. And maybe some squad rotation, at, at least at the striking position, striker position, maybe bring Jebo in, you know? See if Jebo yeah. can can yeah. pot one. So um, that's going to be interesting. What have you got as far as a score prediction for the game against Huddersfield, Chad? I think that's going to be a 1-1 draw. I will take your West Brom scoreline and put it to Huddersfield. I just think it's... You know, with three games in a week, that's just too much. I mean, you know, everybody's going to face it. And we said we got seven games in the month of February. And I think this is where the law firm comes back and gets a goal. 
Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's important to remember, I don't even think the law firm was in the side the last time that we played them. No. No, he wasn't. I mean, that was the game. Ugh. That was the game where, like, they scored in the 75th minute, and then Billy Sharp in stoppage time, and then in stoppage time, they scored. Yeah. Rip our hearts out. Right. Such a frustrating game. So, I mean, we'll see. All's going to be revealed at the weekend. I think that's pretty much all the time that we have for this episode of the Red Half at Sheffield. Chad, where can the people find you on social media? They can find me at Blades in the USA on Facebook and Twitter, and you can follow me personally on Instagram and Twitter at cjarvis underscore 13. And you can follow me, Noah Snyder, at sunpuck on Instagram and at nestman930 on Twitter. If you haven't done so already, please follow the social media of this podcast at the red half of Sheffield on Facebook and then at red Sheffield on Twitter. If you're listening to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, please go ahead, give us a five-star review, maybe leave, you know, some kind words. If you're liking what you're hearing and until this Saturday up the blades, Chad up the blades. Come on, you red and white wizards.